Hello, this is Adrienne Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks from Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities that dishonor human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. It's time to hear the third part of a riveting testimony that validates Psalm 107, verse 2, which says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Much is said in the Bible about the tender mercies of the Lord. Indeed, the prophet Isaiah, speaking for the great God of Israel, said at chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yes, these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. We now live in a time when mothers not only forget their nursing children, but they deliberately have them killed before they are even born. This was a shocking thing for Isaiah to say because such a diabolical deed was unthinkable then. Today, for many, it is something routine, but our blessed Creator takes it to heart, and those whom we would forget and allow to die, He remembers with great tenderness and helps through the power of His Holy Spirit. However, there is always a point in which we, ourselves, must decide whether or not we will reciprocate the mercies of God that literally snatched us out of the fire. Now, let's find out what happens in The Deliverance of a Prodigal, Part 3. I only read a little bit of the Bible, but this veil was torn from my eyes. And what I was so unsure of was now the most sure thing I knew to be true. And it happened in such a short amount of time. I remember I thought I had only read a few pages. Maybe I had been in there for half an hour, and I realized I couldn't hold it in anymore. I had to tell my dad. I had just discovered the truth that, that I had this epiphany. I had this epiphany about Christ, about everything he had told me about Christ, that I wanted to tell him that he was right about everything. And I ran out of that bathroom thinking I had only been in there for maybe 30 minutes. But when I came out, it was morning. The sun was up and he was asleep on the recliner. I had been in there since 10 or 11 the night before and he fell asleep waiting on me. And this whole night I hadn't done any drugs and God showed me this for the first time that even his tangible presence on earth is greater than time. He determines time and not the other way around. His word determines time. His word determines everything, even the natural laws that he created. And he revealed this to me many times after this. This is really the part where I would have loved to be able to tell you this is when the complete deliverance happened for me and where I was completely set free and where I never touched drugs again, but I can't say that because actually after being awakened to the call of God and enlightened to the gospel and after tasting of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, these forces controlling my life got worse so much worse. Now I had insight and I saw this battle was spiritual and that this was a stronghold on my life that had been there for far too long and it did not want to let me go. And I realized that I was a slave to this and for most of my life this was all I had known. I wouldn't even know how to be free. 
But yet, it was after this first experience in God's presence that I began to have even more amazing experiences and encounters with Him. And even still to this day, I have not had them like I had them at that time. And this was despite the addiction continuing. I can't even explain to you this glory that I was in, this awe that I was in. The presence of God would come on me so strong. I felt like I was going to be raptured in that moment. I actually felt like my spirit was about to take off and just ascend into heaven. And his word was becoming so alive to me that it was almost like I would go to heaven when I would read his word. It's like I would not be here on the earth because it's like almost I would see him. I mean, even the atmosphere would change around me. And he was waking me up. I remember him waking me up early in the morning. And I would wake up and I would already be in his glory. And I could hear almost audibly his whispers that it's like he had been speaking to me the whole night when I was asleep and throughout the day I could feel that his word was settled over me like a cloud and he was always on my mind and I would communicate with him all day even inside my mind and I would hear his response immediately to everything I would say as I was continuing to read his word and be so caught up I just remember that it wasn't the ink on the page I was reading but it was heavenly words I would be unable to translate to human words to be understood on earth because it was like only my spirit could understand it was all outside of natural thinking the word was so alive and God's presence was so strong and glorious and it was my desire to stay there. I wanted to stay in these. I never wanted to leave. But it was in these same moments of wanting to worship God, wanting to get so close to God, that such a great temptation would come. And it would be almost parallel to this amazement that I was experiencing. It was a battle and it's like I was being pulled between two kingdoms and I was no match for this. I had no strength. The enemy, because of the addiction in the flesh, he had a lure to keep pulling me away from the presence of Jesus. I just wanted to be free and worship him. Yet I always gave in to the drugs and despite still giving in to this temptation, these experiences and encounters went on for weeks. The presence would come on me so strong, I even got slain in the spirit for the first time. And when I came to, when I woke up, it was like I was walking in heaven's atmosphere, yet I was on earth. And I felt like just by this experience that I had the fruit of the spirit, that I was clean on the inside. I felt like I had the fruit of the spirit that it would actually take years to grow into. My heart, the inside of me, was pure and clean. But like Paul, what I didn't want to do, this I did because of the sin dwelling in my members or my body. Though my inward man, the inside of me, desired to do right and stay pure, yet this battle was relentless on the outside. And that day, that glorious day where I got slain in the spirit, I ended it by once again giving into temptation. But yet this closeness to God and this awareness of his presence stayed on me in this time. I remember I would even be driving to get drugs and his presence would come on me. I can remember the exact stoplight I was at where everything would change because the presence of God came on me. 
It's as if God were saying, this is what you really want. And around this time, I didn't even care if I was about to die. I wanted to be taken into the fullness of the presence of Jesus that I was experiencing. Nothing on earth came close to this. I was okay with dying for the first time. And in fact, I believe that's when I would die because I had finally received Christ. I thought, that's why all of this happened to me anyway, so I could receive him. Wouldn't this be the end goal for me? Yet, it was around that time I actually stopped experiencing these terrible symptoms in my body. I still had them, but they weren't debilitating like they just were. Much of my strength came back at that point, but still not fully. It was like I had received a healing touch of my body all while I was still using, still sinning. But now, this disease was no more a concern or even real to me at that point. Only God was real at that point. Even after all of this, even after feeling like I've been mostly healed, part of me still wondered if God would have to take me from the earth. I didn't know how I could be free because it was all I had ever known to be addicted to drugs. It's all I ever was. It's what I had used to cope with. I also had the thought, if even all these amazing experiences and encounters from God can't get me away from drugs, then how will it happen? During these months of encounters from God, I was telling everyone, even my drug dealers and my friends who would do drugs with me, about my encounters with God and these miracles that I was experiencing. I would tell them I met God and Jesus is alive and the gospel is true and one day I'll be set free completely. Many of them thought I was just a little too high and then eventually some of them began to call me a hypocrite and make fun of me. And that's really what it looked like. It really did look like I was a hypocrite. But some believed me and said even they too had felt the Holy Spirit at times but they now believed they were too far gone. I kept going around wherever I went, sharing about my experiences in his presence. It was like I couldn't contain it. Despite this addiction and this battle in my flesh, I was overflowing with this living knowledge of Jesus. Amazing experiences were still happening, but eventually conviction began to hit like waves, like one after the other, and each one was harder. Each time I would give in to the drugs, it would be longer and even different when I would get back in the presence of God. I knew it was because of my conscience. I began to wonder, could I have stopped using from day one of encountering Jesus? It seemed so impossible, but what if this is really all my fault? What if in my choosing to continue this sin, I've turned my back on God? That was the last thing I wanted to do. Yet soon, I stopped being aware of his presence. It's like I went back to square one, where God seemed so distant and I seemed unable to reach him. After not hearing his voice or hearing him in his word and not feeling his presence for a while, then came this mindset. What if I really was too far gone and done the impardonable sin? At any moment, I could still die. Would I even go be with the Lord? 
how would I ever get out of this now that God's presence was distant from me again? I had my chance and blew it. I traded it in for something so fleeting and temporary when the presence of God and the call of God is eternal. But nevertheless, despite these thoughts, in a strange way, I still held on to hope somewhere deep down in me that even now God could set me free. And I even believed that it was his promise to me. I, I had to believe just like he did in Exodus. God was going to set me free like a captured slave being released. That it was his promise that one day I would be able to worship him freely. Many nights in my own strength, I would say, this is the last shot. This is the last time. But it always came down to just one more, just one more time, just one more shot. This time, it will be the biggest rush. It will be the most satisfying. Then I can stop. Then I can serve God. Then I can never look back. But it was never enough. I could never get high enough. And I could never stop myself the next time I craved it. Addiction is so tricky. You want to stop, but you also don't. It's hard to tell once you're this far into it how much of a choice you have because it feels like you don't have a choice at all. While at the same time, every time you give in, the guilt says that you had a choice. Then you tell yourself, I'll stop tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes. You fight it while giving in. You hate what you're doing while loving it and craving it at the same time. And so it continued on. After many prayers over my life from different churches and ministers and trying in my own strength at home, I even tried a Suboxone program and that still didn't work. I wasn't sure if it was that I couldn't stop or that I didn't want to stop, even though I knew that part of me did want to stop because I only wanted to worship God. I just didn't know how not to give in. I had always given in. I had given in all my life. I would reach out to a few people for prayer. One of my mom's friends risked a lot by asking if I would come with her to her church out of state. Though it violated my out on bond terms for, from a previous arrest, I still decided to go. And one night at the church, after I just got done shooting up drugs in the bathroom, I went back into the sanctuary and I began nodding out. I was in and out of consciousness from the drugs, desperately trying to keep myself together, but I would catch myself still nodding off and then jolting back up. But one time, as I was nodding off, I heard a whisper and it was so close as if it came from the inside of my ear. And though it was a whisper, it was like this yell at the same time. And I heard the words so clear, it's like it shouted at me and resounded in my spirit and body. It said, reprobate. The fear jolted me up once and for all that night. I knew what that word meant, but what was it saying? Was that God? Was God telling me that I was a reprobate? That he had given me over to a seared conscience? Whose voice was that? Was I really too far gone now? I began to have bad experiences after this. On the way back from this out-of-state trip, 
I remember I was withdrawing so bad on the way home because I had ran out of drugs. When I got back into town, I went to get drugs and then I went home and I did the shot. And this stuff was so strong, I remember nodding out over the toilet, which happens a lot. I would always nod out, but this time it was different because when I jolted up, I realized that I hadn't been breathing, that I hadn't taken a breath in a really long time. And I was gasping for air. My body felt so overcome with the drugs, I began to have fear that I was about to overdose and die, and die in my sins. I remember I came out of the bathroom and went to be in front of my dad and brother in case they had to save my life. And when I walked down the hall into my living room, I happened to turn and look to the left where we had two glass doors. I saw my reflection in the glass doors and for a split second, it looked like there were flames around me. Immediately I went and I asked my brother to please pray with me. And then after we prayed, I flushed all the drugs I just bought down the toilet and I told myself no more. It was time to live fully for God. Yet the next day, once again in the morning, it's like I had no choice, no will. I had no will. I had no power to say no or to even think anything except drugs. These bad experiences continued. Sometimes it was as if something was trying to grab a hold of me and drag me to hell, literally. I would even feel something grabbing onto my legs and pulling me where I couldn't stand or walk and I would grab onto whatever was next to me, calling out to God, crying for him to save my soul. I was so afraid and at the same time full of sorrow. I felt so much like I missed it. I missed my chance with God. I traded in the presence of God. I traded in the call of God for this sin his glorious, eternal reward for a fleeting, passing pleasure of the earth. And this grieving was so painful. I began to grieve over what I had with God and how it was gone. Yet, crazy as it sounds, still somewhere deep in me, I felt like I had a promise from God. He promised me that he would deliver me. I was torn between regret that it was too late for me and still believing God would come through in his time. Around this time, almost all my dancing money was gone. Money I could have done so much with, but it all went into my veins. Still, I had friends and an older guy specifically who began really supporting my habit. He would allow me every day to come over and to get high with him. And he would share almost everything he had with me. One night at his place, he had me and a prostitute over. I began talking about the Holy Spirit. The prostitute said she too knew the Holy Spirit. That night, the guy nodded out on drugs, but she and I managed to stay awake all night and talked. And then something amazing happened. In the middle of it all, she stood up and began prophesying over me with tears in her eyes. I was weeping because it's as if her words were piercing my soul. She pointed at me, and she looked at me as if she were seeing a vision. She said that God would set me free, and I would be a light to many people, and he would use me mightily. It seemed like it went on for hours. She knew scripture too. She was quoting scripture to me, and I was so shocked. This gave me hope. God was still not done with me. Eventually, it was close to nine months after I had all these amazing encounters with Jesus. I was still living every day around this addiction. 
Time was telling me it was highly unlikely God would rescue me now. I stopped trying at all. My hope was for some time far in the future. And some days, I didn't know if it were really hope or maybe I was lying to myself, so I didn't feel the grief of missing God's plan. I began to hear a question in my spirit. I heard, why do you think you have time? Or why do you think that there is time? A certain fear of the Lord started right then. One night I was shown in the word and in the spirit how my life really is a vapor, a mist that dissipates in the wind. And my time on earth is not determined by anything except this, my place in God and the word of God itself. Outside of God, I was beginning to see I had no more time. I even saw how many times I wanted the hope he was giving me, but for the future. I didn't want it just yet for the now, because I knew that this meant I would have to make a change, and I didn't know if I could do it. I knew once this change was made, there was no looking back. It would have to stay that way forever, and this thought to me was overwhelming. How could I make it the rest of my life without doing something I've been doing to cope since I was a kid? It was December 2017. I could feel in the air something wasn't right. By the 25th of December, I had already experienced such demonic attacks that month that it made me run to my dad and climb in his lap like a little girl. I was 22 years old. This day was different though. Something felt different in the atmosphere. It was as if there had to be an end to this path I was on. And I didn't know if I would be ended with it as well. I was sitting in my room preparing drugs to do a shot when these swarms of shadows began to circle around me in my room. They gathered in the corner and I could even make out two eyes as they became one. I knew I wasn't hallucinating because my dog saw it too. It's like they were waiting for me, specifically that day, to do this shot so they had an open door to drag my soul straight to hell. It's as if something about this season gave them a legal right. I had lived in this long enough and there was no more time to continue living in it. I was terrified. I knew if I were to go through with this that this time, I would not be getting away with it like I was used to. But the addiction in me could not let go. So instead, I called a friend down the road and asked if I could go to his house. I went to his house and got high over there. Little did I know, after all these years of being addicted to almost every drug in the world, this would be the last time I would ever touch one again. I still felt strange as we were high together in his house. The, the intensity of this feeling would not let up. Then, something stranger happened. Somehow, Christian music was turned on, and it wasn't even deep worship music, but it was like a Christian song that you would hear on the radio. And suddenly this deep conviction came on me so strong, I could feel it physically. It was so strong, it overpowered the drugs and any high that I felt. I knew this was it. I was on a fence, and the fence was shaking. I was either going to fall on God's side or on hell's side, but there was no place for me in the middle anymore. I knew within myself I had no power to stop what I was doing, but it's as if I still had to make a choice, and even then I didn't know if I was going to make it. 
the conviction was so strong, it felt like at any moment I could drop dead. This point in the life of our precious prodigal leaves her so close to what she desires, yet so far away. Or is she? We will present the dramatic conclusion next week as we hear the end and the beginning of our sister's story. We at Say One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.